Welcome to the Art and Joe podcast. You're listening to Memories, part of a collection of music available at www.bensound.com. I'm Landon Thomasma, owner and operator of Art and Joe, Stillville, Missouri's own little coffee shop. In these files, you'll find a collection of sermons, devotions, stories, and musings, whatever happens to be on my heavily caffeinated mind. I hope you might find something useful somewhere in there. Those of you who know me personally know that I spent 35 years working with a ministry called Covenant Players, which was founded back in 1963 by a playwright named Charles M. Tanner. Now, Chuck served as director of that ministry up to his death in 2006, and in 1996, under Chuck's direction, I published a book about Covenant Players' style of drama with the title Acts of Witness, Stages of Worship. I thought I might read the first chapter for you today. I'll put a link to the book on the website in case you'd like to read more. Acts of Witness, Stages of Worship Communicative Drama and the Plays of Charles M. Tanner by Lana Thomasma Chapter 1 Drama as Communication Experience as God's Educator When we were children, we were taught by example. As we grew, those examples were translated to books, at first utilizing pictures, then gradually segueing into words as our reading skills increased. As our degree of comprehension grew, the terminology of the teaching became increasingly complex. But no matter how complex it may have become for us, the key to understanding almost invariably utilizes some form of the phrase, let's take an example. Experience, ours or another's, has remained with us as our oldest and best teacher. Personal experience provides us the deepest, most concrete teaching. In fact, most of our most ingrained fears and prejudices involve what we have personally experienced. But second in effectiveness, from the moment we master the concept of quid pro quo, is example, or vicarious experience. This is held by scientists to be the ultimate indication of sapience in human beings. The ability to learn a concept without having seen it is a sign of true intelligence. The challenge for any mode of teaching is in the transception of the theory into action. Here again, personal experience provides the most effective. When we burn our hand on the stove for the first time, we learn not to touch the stove again. But more amorphic concepts present difficulties, inasmuch as we can reason away any personal application of what has been learned. By translating the amorphic into the framework of our own experience or that of one close to us, we may bridge the rationale and reach the true target, the behavior patterns. Naturally, human experts have accomplished nothing more than to identify what God has placed in man to begin with. God, having placed this learning potential within us, uses experience as his educator in many instances throughout scriptures. Take, for example, the history of his chosen people, the Jews, and within that history, the experience of the various judges. In each case, God uses the span of many years, even centuries, to provide experiential teaching for his children of subsequent generations, all the more necessary since we are such slow and inadequate learners. There are more specific examples where men are called to demonstrate, through specific acts, the various messages of the Lord to his people. Jonah and Hosea are two such examples, Jonah unwittingly providing a prescience of the Messiah's mission, Hosea, through his choice of a wife, or more accurately, God's choice, 
effectively illustrating God's willingness to reclaim Israel. We can find even more abstract examples, such as Ezekiel's prophetic siege of Jerusalem, using a stone tablet to symbolize the city. Isaiah and Daniel both utilize symbolic accounts, or in the case of Isaiah's Song of the Vineyard, popular entertainment media to communicate God's messages. The Bible abounds in the use of symbolic acts, used to illustrate every aspect of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Even the Lord Jesus, in his dealings with the Pharisees, brought to mind the necessity of placing the amorphics of God's grace into visual examples. So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Get up, take up your mat, and go home. Matthew 9.6 The point is, we are created in God's image, and so made, our creativity is the reflection of God's creative power. Because of our own finiteness, God must tailor his communication to our physical limits of sense, intellect, understanding, and creativity. Vicarious experience is one of his chief tools of communication. Drama. Applied Vicarious Experience. Psychologists have established that the combination of verbal and visual teaching increases impressively the level of comprehension. In the medium of drama, we find not only these two elements combined, but also the added element of emotional and psychological interchange. In short, we have visible experiences. The additional advantage of drama is that in the same manner as stories and parables, the impact of the experience is controllable, can be repeated at will. This has advantages to those who have previously seen the play presented, as well as those who view the play for the first time. The former have the opportunity to review their own reaction and to analyze the specifics of the lesson presented, while at the same time enjoying once again the experience of the play itself. Obviously, a decisive element of this vicarious experience is empathy. Since we are creations possessing creativity, it is not necessary for us to personally experience, say, depression, in order to empathize with one who is truly depressed. Our creativity allows us to extrapolate the reactions we see, thereby making them our own. In terms of drama, this empathy leads to a process of identification between the audience and the character presented. Properly using the tools. This process of identification makes it imperative that drama be utilized properly. As with any other communicative medium, there is always a danger involved. The audience allows itself to be involved in a sort of illusion, suspending their sense of reality in order to accept that the situation of the play is actually happening. Because this illusion is entered into voluntarily, a high level of trust is placed by the audience in both the playwright and the performer. In order to be true to this trust, it is the responsibility of both playwright and performer to properly use their medium. A major clue to the proper use of drama in communication can be found in the manner in which Jesus presented his parables. Jesus rarely, if ever, explained the stories he told. Normally, he closed them with the challenge to those who have ears to hear. In fact, when he did offer explanations, it was only to his disciples, those whose deeper commitment of discipleship required expanded teaching to propel their growth beyond the others around them. In this simple presentation of his teaching, Jesus presented the opportunity to those who had the wit to apply and internalize that teaching. For the most part, very few sermons are preached throughout the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount being a very delicately constructed exception. 
By the same token, we who utilize drama in communication must beware of confusing a play with a sermon. Drama is most powerful when it is left open-ended. The power of interpretation and that of choice must be left with the audience. The Truth in Drama I have mentioned that drama involves a form of illusion. This has, upon occasion, led to the mistaken idea that drama does not present truth. In fact, the opposite is true. In drama, we deal with the truth, but truth in essence, in heart and concept, not merely in factual occurrence. For the most part, the situations portrayed in drama are fictional, or at best conjectural. But if we are to communicate to our audience, the reactions and histories of those fictional characters must adhere to the reality of character common to all human beings. There are as many possible reactions to any situation as there are people. We are individual creations. But in any situation, a character's reaction must be true to that character. For example, a person of weak will cannot suddenly grow great strength of will unless that strength is in some manner present in his basic makeup. When such surprises take place, which indeed they may, there must be a source for the pressure which has brought such a reaction into being. A sudden change in character without a plausible explanation only diminishes that character's credibility. The basis of any change of character must be inherent as a potential part of that character before the change takes place. We can see this in the real-life example of Paul, a man visibly on fire for the Lord, Paul did not suddenly enter into his convictions. He was on fire for God while still persecuting the church before his conversion. The change in Paul was in the direction of his fire. On the other hand, Moses was gradually brought into his own. The Bible gives us a picture of Moses which is quite different than our traditional assumptions present. One example being DeMille's film, The Ten Commandments. He did not immediately become a patriarch at the burning bush, but continued hesitating and second-guessing God's call right into the wilderness. Both men acted true to their characters. However their situations or vocations may have changed, the basic material remained the same. Only time and God's patient hand could facilitate a change of the character's root structure. It is the responsibility of both playwright and performer to remain true to essential reality. Within the confines of that essential reality, however, lies an almost infinite range of possibilities, much the same as the strict metric structure of a sonnet allows an immense volume of moods, themes, and expressive possibilities. To quote playwright Charles M. Tanner, It is a world in itself a world with living and breathing human beings that come alive and pulsate, magnify, enlarge, explode, leap about, and spiral deeply into inner cores of various kinds. The characters that you and I bring to life are truly brought to life. They speak to us, admonish us, and cause us to puzzle with them. We hurt with them and for them. We struggle in their causes, revel in their triumphs, glory in their commitments, and sighs sadly when the curtain falls. They have become an integral part of our lives, and we cannot do without them. Some we want to like, some we have a burden for, some we want to emulate, others irritate us, frustrate us, chagrin, and sometimes even force us to consider in horror that they are emulating us. Christian drama, a contradiction? 
Drama, as we know it today, has its origins in the mystery, morality, and passion plays of the Middle Ages. It was developed by the church as an extension of the liturgy, as a means of educating the mainly illiterate body of believers. Now, oddly enough, many branches of the church itself are most adamant in their refusal to consider drama as a medium of Christian teaching. There are many, many corruptions in the manners, methods, and motivations of dramatic presentation. But when dealing with the question of whether drama can be used for Christ's work, some points must be considered. First, can Satan drive out Satan? Read Mark 4, 22-26. We must be careful not to ascribe God's power to the devil. Satan cannot create, nor can he initiate communication that will bring a man to Christ. Satan can, however, attempt to warp what God has initiated, thus bringing it into disrepute. The example of some prominent evangelists in recent times bears witness to this, as does the ongoing debate on the type of music most suitable for worship and witness, a debate which continues to consume precious time and energy while serving no constructive purpose whatsoever. Second, God warns us expressly against calling anything unclean that he has made clean. Acts 10, 9-16 We would be ill-advised to summarily proclaim as unworthy of God a medium that God himself uses in even its most abstract application. Consider chapter 4 of Ezekiel. Third, in John chapter 14, Jesus, who himself told stories to illustrate his teaching, tells us that whoever has faith in him will do even greater things through the Holy Spirit. Performing miraculous healing and preaching convicting sermons represents only a small portion of the enormous supply of gifts and talents the Lord has given his church to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our Lord has provided us with every medium of communication and assured us that we may at all times depend upon his presence and active participation as we utilize them. A medium of communication must be identified in the same manner as any servant of God, by its fruits. Jesus replied to John the Baptist's followers, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear and the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. The fruits of communicative drama lie in its effect on the audiences. Therefore, we will, throughout this book, not only be investigating the plays themselves, but we shall also review some of the reactions to the performances thereof. These quotes have been gleaned from the reports of Covenant Players team leaders in various countries and languages all over the world, and cover over 40 years of Covenant Players' performances. They reflect not only the depth of impact of this medium, but also the universality of its communication. Drama is a medium, and as such, depends on its message to delineate its nature. The power of drama as Christian communication is not born of happenstance, but is a direct evidence of God's Spirit at work in his vessels, to his glory, in the service of his kingdom. You've been listening to the Art and Joe podcast. You can find Art and Joe at 105 East Main Street in Steelville, Missouri, the heart of the Ozarks. Just look for the big yellow sign that says, You need a cup of coffee. 
You can visit our website at artandjoe.ntunes.com. That's art, A-N-D-Joe, at N-T-O-O-N-Z.com. Or drop by our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash artandjoe. Thank you for listening, and God bless.